Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. All right, listeners, thank you. Those of you on YouTube watching us, hi, and those of you listening through the podcast, so good to have you here. I got a sister with me today. I got a friend with me today. She's a professional, but she's also just a very personable person, and you're going to experience that. Her name is Dr. Melissa Tate Scruce. That's it. Good job. All right, I did it. She's a thriving <laughs> mental health professional with a multitude of practical experiences within the public and private domains of behavioral health for over 15 years, but she looks 12. That's very confusing. Her experience working with emotionally unstable children, adolescents, adults, and this disrupted family set the foundation for a career in professional wit. She now owns and operates a group mental health practice, Cohesive Counseling Associates, this is in Charlotte, North Carolina, serving clientele of all ages, including our American veterans. God bless them. She is well-versed in anxiety, depression, trauma, grief, loss, substance abuse, anger management, and a whole lot more. She's additionally licensed supervision, has an extensive background in counselor education, psychological consultation, and public speaking. Melissa is a three-time author writing about various topics from domestic violence, substance abuse, and the journey of self-care from a mental health perspective. She's also transitioned one chapter of her first book into a short film called Tony, which is now available worldwide via Amazon Video On Demand. Tony, which if you're looking for it, it's going to be T-H-O-N-Y 2.0. Tony's Eyes will be released this year in 2021. You can also just go to our website, which is drmetate.com for more information. So that's drmetate.com. We'll have that in our show notes as well, because there's a lot to learn about her. And so, Melissa. Ooh, hey, Melissa. girl, hey. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So I know you're professional, but I also know you have a personality and that you and I love to joke with each other, have a good time, and okay. go out in the world and just really explain to people, particularly about black mental health yes. and about domestic violence and so many things. And so I know you're going to enrich the lives of all those who are listening today. So thank you God for being willing. here. God yeah. willing. Thank you yeah. so That's much right. for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, it's good stuff. So here you are on Flip Your Lid. So you know the first question. So the only thing we know is going to happen outside of that. We're just like, mm. right. <laughs> So here's the first question. Just think about this. Tell us a little bit about in your life, what flipped your lid, disconnected you from who God says you are, and what measures have you had to take to be able to reconnect to who you really are? And how much time did you say we have? Um, <laughs> let's have the first question less than 15 minutes. How about that? <laughs> So situations that have flipped my lid, um, there's been numerous and many, but um, the, the most pivotal that I would say, which was, of course, the subject of um, the first book that I wrote in the movie was um, domestic violence relationship. But it's not just that relationship. I would say unhealthy relationships in general mm. has have flipped my lid. Yeah. Um, because in the book, I talk about other relationships that I've had um, that 
definitely disconnected me from who I believed I was and who I have learned who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's been a double um, identity crisis, I would say, yeah. um, in the aftermath and reexamining um, some of the unhealthy relationships that I've had in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I'm a therapist and trained in psychology, it doesn't make me immune to um, some of the difficulties of this world and the you know unhealthy relationships that I've been in. Um, but, um, but that is, uh, the short answer to what has flipped my lid. Well, just the last part of what you said, I got to tell you, I'm I'm a little bit on fire. Maybe just Mm. a little match about just because we are in this field, we're supposed to have perfect behavior, perfect thoughts, perfect words, and that we are not immune at all to being abused by our patients, being abused by boyfriends, by husbands, wives, whatever, if those of you yes. listening that are therapists, I, I'm, I'm really recently getting really fed up to hear with this idea that we're supposed to know how to, what to do in every situation. Listen, and that is so pivotal a conversation today because mm-hmm. just as we are helping professionals, helping people get through a pandemic and mm-hmm. political tension and right. racial, you know, uproars and um, you know any sort of financial distress that is on upon people because of all of the above. We too are going through a pandemic and we too are going through changes in our industry and we too are going through racial tensions and and different things. And so um, we are allowed. Can I just say it to the people? Listen, helping professionals, we are allowed to feel how we feel as well. We are allowed to be upset and angry and frustrated and cry and want to cuss and want to fuss and want to fight. We are allowed. that space as well we can't always have a dignified hat of poise and rationality okay well said well said we cannot always be poised and rational we have the right to express and experience how we authentically feel as well and that's what makes us better helping professionals because we can identify with that let's let's talk about this this is two separate things i won't go into great detail but one I was recently verbally attacked. I thought I was going to be physically attacked in my office within the past mm. week and a half. Gosh. Um, and, and so that's part of why my frustration is so much about us being professionals. Like, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle it besides trying to de-escalate a borderline personality type, right? And that's all, that, that's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the other thing is, is I've had many people come to my, my office and I know that they only know what they know, but they are saying things that, are vehemently against who I am as a woman, a person, someone who is Latina, and having to figure out how do you navigate when people are saying things that contribute to where we are right now with racial tension. Yeah, talk about that, please. Yeah, that's so good. So, you know, first and foremost, I mean, the easiest, most rational answer is their stuff is their stuff in mm-hmm. our job as the clinician is to not personalize it, right? right. So right. even though you're the vessel that is receiving all of that, you know, mess or rhetoric or, you know, um, just, you know, unfair language or behavior or whatever, it's really not about you as a person, right? right? right. But but it doesn't nonetheless make it feel good to have all of that on your plate. Yeah, right. And so um, I think you did, like I said, that's all you can do is deescalate and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, keep it 
um, keep it peaceful in the session as much as possible. But then after that, authentically go into a place where you mm. can process what mm-hmm. just happened. How do mm-hmm. I feel about it? What do mm-hmm. I need to shed? Not mm-hmm. allow it to attach mm-hmm. to me or attach right. to who I am as a person, as a woman, as a, as a therapist, as a Latina, how do right. I, you know, shed what was just dumped all over me yeah. Um, yeah. and not allow it to attach to, to my spirit. Right. Absolutely. And it's just really true. Like how I handle it is reflection of me, but the person attacking me or making the comments about how black people should act when they get pulled over, all the things being said, that is completely representative of them. The yes. struggle comes in when it's not viewed that way, right? Like we yeah. have to be able to really get it, that it really is separate, but that my office has got to be a safe place for you and me. Yes, I, I'm included so in that safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Because I think a lot of people will... Uh, give up the space for others in this very self-sacrificing fashion right. and then right. lose sight of where they all of a sudden feel uncomfortable doing their own job. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really yeah. good. And so yeah. for you, like you and I have done like some Instagram lives and things about just talking about, you know, what, you know, brown and black sisters are going through, people of color are going through, yeah. what, you know, immigrants are going through because, you know, my mother's yeah. an immigrant. Like, like just talking openly about, about that. And so if we can kind of jump into that for a second, and then I want to go back to what you personally experienced with domestic violence, but just to be current for a second, can you, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, it's what a lot of people call black self-care. Yeah. Right. Especially in this time. Yeah. It's been an interesting space, right? It's been an interesting space. I've seen, um, the gamut from extremely angry, ready to fight, you know, fussing and cussing to, um, you know, the, the proactive, how do we do this? Mm. How do we advocate? And then I've seen Mm. the complete shutdown to, Mm. I just can't, I can't take any more. I'm just gonna, you know, curl up in bed and go to sleep today. So, um, I've seen the gamut across, you know, mental health for people of color and just watching this nation unfold. Um, I think, um, my people are really good at using ha- uh, humor to yes. get through some uncomfortable things. And so on social media, you'll see all sorts of memes and you'll see all sorts of, you know, kind of jokes trying to, to you know, implore some comic relief. Right. And right. so that we don't, uh, you know, you, you laugh before you cry. You laugh before you go all the way crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and and you have that gift as well. Right. Just being able to take a <laughs> traumatic, very difficult situation mm-hmm. and just hinge it right next right. to right. something that will just make you laugh because yeah. you need the laughter. That's right. That's right. Um, and um, but yeah, it's been an interesting time. And um, I myself have hit every space and time of that and there's been times mm. where I just I just can't I'm just I don't feel like it today and yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. you know not watch the news I did right. not watch the insurrection I did not watch that in real time mm-hmm. I saw it play out through Facebook posts and memes and mm-hmm. or you know social media posts and memes until I actually sat and watched the news and right. um, kind of researched it for myself and and that's my way of just you know, uh, monitoring what I take in, sure. Um, which I think is a tremendous self-care piece Yes, is really to be purposeful about mm-hmm. the information that you take in, mm-hmm. um, through this, through this season, through this year. Right. <laughs> right. Really. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent for that. And, and again, not letting people shame you because people will say, well, you can't be ignorant to it. There's no way, Melissa, you're ignorant to any of it. You can't be. Your life depends not on how you bit. teach your children about mm-hmm. anything, but particularly about race relations, what's happening within the government, all that. Right. It doesn't right. mean you don't need a break. Right. Right. I need a moment. I need a moment to process it even at my own space and time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even so there was a post um, you may or may not be aware of the APA, which is the American Psychiatric Mm -hmm. Association, released a statement about um, and I almost probably should read it because I don't want to misstate. But but the, basically the statement was, we now realize that our the mental health field in psychiatry has been biased towards people of color. Wow. Yes. Yes. Oh, you're just now realizing that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a while. And now what? Now that you realize it, now yeah. what? And so it was a um, social media post from um, Black Therapist Rock, which is a um, mm-hmm. dynamic group of therapists across the country. Mm-hmm. And they posted it. And I was like, I don't I, I don't have a response yeah. yet. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to feel yeah. about this right now. And right. That, was, that was how I responded. Interesting. Right. I don't know how to respond quite right. yet. Right. And I left it at that. But I still don't. Right. I still don't really fully understand what that means. Yeah. Like, no, okay. I... <laughs> I love that. And I hear that. I love how authentic you are in that. I got to tell you, like, I've, you know, I've been sober through a 12 step program for a long time. And, and, but I recently learned this. I knew about women not being allowed in AA. As a woman, I knew that. But I just wow. learned it was until the 1960s that the first black man, not woman, but black man, was allowed in meetings. And Melissa, I could cry telling you this, but he w- could only come when the meeting started. And he had to leave immediately when it was over. And I was taught from day one that the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting can be more important than the actual meeting because that's where you learn how to socialize. That's where you... With others. Right. That's yes. where you learn how, who you want your sponsor to be a lot of times. That's where you yeah. start realizing how to be socially okay instead of having to always have a drink. Like people always go to Starbucks, all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah. So, and then it talked about that eventually he was... He stuck with it, stayed sober, and was able to be friends with Dr. Bob, who's one of the first... or Something about that or somebody of influence and was able to speak at conferences and conventions for AA conventions. And I'm thinking, so you're writing that as if it's a privilege he got to speak. Like, All right. he, speak. he couldn't even be completely a part of a 12 step program. He's still sober, but he's, it's a, pri- what? I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have a response. That's mind blowing by the way. Thank you for that information. Yeah, I have no welcome. idea. Never even thought about it. Yeah. Like, how is this not, Right. Right. So we're, we're, you know, you know, there's certain things that have happened drug wise in certain communities and yet we're not availing them to 12 step programs, which are proven effective for most people. It's just mind blowing. Right. Yeah. Flip your lid. Flip. Both of us got our lips flipped today, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Really exactly. yeah. So talk, let's go back a little bit and talk about what it's been like for you to, again, be a woman of high emotional intellect and still end up in a situation. Because again, part of being a good person means that we don't understand when someone is a toxic and mistreating us. So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. So I was 22 years old, um, fell in love with a gentleman who was definitely in love with me. Um, but I 
come to learn and realize that he was in love with me probably more than he was in love with himself. And truly, that's what I see at the um, essence of very unhealthy, toxic relationships is Mm. there's no um, individuation. There's no no Mm. individual identity among the two parties. And so then when they come together as a couple, that becomes a new identity and one or both people lose themselves in that Mm. process. Wow. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes, there you are. Yeah, we froze for a second. Yeah. It's for a moment. Yeah. So part of it is, it means being 22 years old, not having a complete sense of self. Yeah. Right? Which has a lot to do with knowing your emotional needs. You just knew, enamored, very attractive yes. to this man. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, I can make the excuse I was 22, you know, mm-hmm. I could say that. Mm-hmm. But, but of course, in just doing the soul searching, you know, you realize, well, what was it about me? Because that was my process. I had more mm-hmm. than enough reason to blame him, be upset with him, be mad at him, you know, say he's crazy. He's, you know, he's this, he's that, right? Mm-hmm. I could throw whatever I wanted in there. And I had justification to do so. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I had to do some self-reflection about what is it about me that I was in that situation. Um, And then some years later got into uh, another situation, not Mm -hmm. physically abusive or as emotionally, um, you know, uh, or psychologically abusive, but certainly just as difficult to be Mm -hmm. in a, Mm -hmm. a, a marriage and partnership with someone who had an alcohol addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And that absolutely. is just as emotion, you know, that uh, that mm-hmm. flipped my lid just yes. as much to see this very professional, very handsome, very, you know, um educated man mm-hmm. be at such vulnerability to alcohol. Right. It was like how? Like what like it again flipped yeah. my lid all over the place. Yeah. So um, but again, had to self-reflect. What is it about me that I am in these situations and what is it that I need to do? Um, what is it that I need to understand about myself mm. and about my propensity for mm. taking a liking to this degree of unhealthiness, this degree of brokenness yeah. right. in, That's right. in, in a man? Yeah. 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 Was there anything in particular you found out about your hardwiring childhood stuff related to being gravitating towards someone who is not available for you? Not a thing. It's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I learned a thousand things. I'm right? still learning a thousand things. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a family member who has struggled with addiction um, for mm-hmm. as, as long as I can can remember. And so I think at the at the heart of it all, I I have this uh, this desire to see someone he, from a healed perspective. Mm-hmm. That even in their struggle, they can heal and mm-hmm. um, be better and live happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that was in me. I think seeing my parents in a very loving relationship as middle school sweethearts, I really kind of thought mm-hmm. love was easy and had uh, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'd never even seen my parents have a tremendous argument. Right. Like, like right. never saw them. Are, so I think I thought that, you know, you fall in love and then it's easy. You're with your friend mm-hmm. forever. So there was definitely some naivete right. on my part um, about what it took to be in a relationship. And, and from a, 
a perspective of codependency because I felt like I had a great sense of personal identity and I felt like I knew myself very well. And then once you partner with mm. someone who doesn't know themselves very well and isn't as emotionally drained, um, you know, you, 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 Fall, fall to their level. You you get pulled yeah. down right. to that level of unhealthiness. And so, you know, I learned your your healthy relationship is only as healthy as the healthy people in it. So yeah, very much, very much. Your relationship is only as healthy as the people in right. it. And so right. if either one of the individuals has a degree of unhealthiness, mm-hmm. then that's what um, weights you. That's what anchors right. you. That's what is the, the, the foundation of the relationship. Right. You're right. only as strong as your weakest link. So yeah. if one of your links mm-hmm. is is struggling with addiction or mental mm-hmm. illness or physical illness or something, right. um, you know, it can, it can be financial distress. It could be, yeah. you know, poor money management, whatever right. it is, the relationship is going to be the manifestation of that, of that mm-hmm. weakness. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I, I was taught, tell me if you agree with this, that, you know, a lot of what happens has to obviously with our attachment style, right? And, yeah. and, and so, you know, traditionally, if you have a, what's called a, a dismissive or a preoccupied attachment and you date someone who has an avoidant attachment, which means one person craves connection the other has fear of connection that's yeah. the most common and so for a little while you're on the same path and then all of a sudden there's some split there's something that happens that yeah the person that you're with doesn't seem like the person that you knew and if you stay curious yeah that's one path if it gets critical that's a really different path right yeah so putting that out there I've been told that any of us have the potential, no matter how good our childhood was, to actually end up with an abuser. Absolutely. And I I had to learn that about myself because I was in such a, um, and this is your wheelhouse, a spiral Mm -hmm. of shame. Mm -hmm. I was really ashamed that I had even gotten in that relationship because I'm like, why there was right. no reason in my mind as right. to why I ended up in that type of relationship because it just didn't mesh with the identity that I had for myself. Yeah, but yeah. yes, absolutely, yeah. we all right. have the propensity to be in that type of relationship. Sure, and you know we can look from the outside in and say I would never ever wep- you know ever. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, there's mm-hmm. some investment mm-hmm. in some sort of way that 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 pulls you that pulls you in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to that if your tendency, and it could be from a place of health, it could be a fawning response, it could be unhealthy. But if your tendency is to take care of someone else, be there for their need, be aware of their need, you're not thinking that the person coming towards you doesn't care about you and is only yes. self-serving because you yes. wouldn't do that. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yes, we displace what we would do. We displace that and right. attach that to someone else's style. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, not always true. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest true. things. I wish there was a class about this, like in sixth grade on, mm-hmm. of that the lens you look through are not the lens the person you're talking to is looking through or hearing. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't absolutely. know how to converse. We don't know how to talk. We don't. Yeah, we don't, and we don't, and and often we don't even realize that the lens we're looking through is is I don't I was supposed to say different, but that just rephrased what you said. But we don't even realize that our lens is colored a certain sort of right. way. Right. Yeah, 
we don't realize that we right. all have different um, perspectives in and ways of being that mm-hmm. contribute to the conflict and the tensions mm-hmm. that we have amongst each other. Right. Yeah. I think even when people start, you know, talking about marriage and like they'll come into my office and I'll say, have you defined wife and husband? And they're like, what? Yeah. Like, you might have very different, like both of you need to find wife, both of you need to find husband. I've never had when I've done that, that it it was the same. I've never yeah. had anybody write the same thing, right? That's so, good. Yeah, without people talking about that, like they're thinking, I'm, I'm meeting my job description. Well, no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> Yeah. Did you yeah. even know what you signed up for? Right. Like, you didn't know, you know for, right? his idea of wife. Yep. And now you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. No, now, you. now you're in. And <laughs> yes. again, for those of us in the church, we'll get shamed if we try to get out of that or take on, yes. we'll take on too much blame about what's Absolutely. happening within the marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. Good yeah. Yeah. So how did the church play into it for you? With, with relationships and then the beautiful marriage you're in now, like, have you been shamed within the church? Have you found acceptance in the church? Um, I found amazing acceptance in the church. Oh, I thank God for my pastor and co-pastor who um, of Have Life Church, who yes. um, are counselors at heart. Mm-hmm. And they are, they, they want everybody to do better, feel better, be better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so no, and, and when, and by the time I came to the church, I was divorced, single mother, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, really um, seeking some solace. I was just seeking a safe place, I think, mm-hmm. and, and felt really understood mm-hmm. um, in my pastor's messaging of, um, of soul searching and personal identity and finding who you are in Christ and defining mm-hmm. what that means and knowing who you are as an individual person. Yeah. Um, and so um, I found confirmation. When I got to the church for a while, I felt like a foreign body. (laughs) Like I was like, why am I the only one who seems to like, I I really felt foreign. Like I Mm. felt like I was Mm. a single person who just was the only person who understood integrity and understood love and understood honesty and really very old school ideas of love. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand why this is so hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Right. Um, so I found confirmation when I first started going to have life oh, church so and um, my husband was, uh, who was not my husband at the time, but he found, um, he found a safe place there as well as he was going through divorce mm-hmm. and um, you know, the stars aligned and we met each other uh, and there at the church. Right. And um, it's been a beautiful union um, with the blessing of my pastor, co-pastor. They continue to pour into us, mm-hmm. love on us. Um, it's been um, a blessing. To yeah. Well, it's been, it's been a blessing to watch. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, you've yeah. Seen it, really it, right? it's, it's a ministry. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're a ministry just by being yourself and being so open about the fact that you've been divorced and God never loved you differently. And yes. what does it mean now to be, you know, it's just, it's just, and plus he's creative and, yeah, you know, like all, all that, like all that shit's been yeah. amazing. Oh, he all yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a real blessing and to have a partner in Christ and, um, and we know that our ministry is marriage first mm-hmm. and, um, how we've been able to blend our families and um, continue to serve together. And, you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about when talking to couples who 
you know, kind of come to us from the church or come to me from the church is, you know, my husband and I have separate ministries, Mm. but we also minister together, you know? And so if ever I was jealous of his ministry or he jealous of mine, it would really be a problem because we Mm -hmm. serve the Lord Mm. so passionately Mm. and we love God's people so passionately that it would be a problem if we didn't respect the God in each other and allow our individual ministries to be what they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that reminds me, you know, of the, you know, the triangle, where God's at the top and, you know, your name's here and Anthony's on the other side. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just, it's so visual for me that that's what Absolutely. we're actually, you know, are doing. And you're so right about the the ministries are apart, but yet they bring you together. And that, Absolutely. that doesn't just come yet that spiritual maturity. Yeah, absolutely. And with spiritual maturity is emotional maturity. Yep. And, and so I've come in recent years and, and, you know, you and I partner in this space of mental health as a ministry. Right. As, you know, is it is purposeful in getting to that spiritual actualization that, you know, closer to God and mm-hmm. really kind of understanding um, what he has for us, what he wants for us. It comes from that emotional maturity process. Yeah, that's right. Right, that's right. And so I thank God that um, that that was growing in Him before we even came together. Like yeah. that is that is in essence a, a, a beautiful thing. As He was working right. on Him, I was working on me, and we found each other in a healthy space. Right. So neither one of us had to feel a void for each other. Mm. We were filling mm. our own void in God, in Christ, yeah. in you know our emotional maturity, and yeah. we found each other in a healthy space. Yeah, that's yeah. so beautiful. Do you have some practical applications or things that you experienced internally or even externally? Because you know, for those who have been abused, to date again, oh, yeah, the fear of that to try to look for something different without being overreactive. Right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and how difficult. I don't that know. Is. I don't know if I can talk about it. So, <laughs> say. so um, it was a process, you mm. know. Let me be clear. So again, I was 22 years old when I met and married, or you know, when I married my first husband and went through that very abusive situation. Um, I'm 44 years old now. Yeah. So I am 22 years removed, wow. physically and emotionally removed from that very toxic situation. And in the process, I continue to have some unhealthy relationships here and there. It may not have mm-hmm. been physically abusive, but it mm-hmm. wasn't healthy or it wasn't good or it didn't serve right. my best interest. It didn't cater to my heart. Um, and so I went through periods of celibacy and, and soul searching and just really trying to understand who I was, some periods where I really just needed to focus on being a good mom, stop mm-hmm. worrying about being somebody's girlfriend, somebody's wife, mm-hmm. and just worry about being a good person and being a good mom or being a good sister and being a good daughter. Mm. Um, sometimes we overshoot because of our heart's desire to love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, we we find somebody in a in a in a space where we're not fully whole. Right. My pastor smacked me in the face with this one some years ago when I first started going to Half Life Church. We date from our level of revelation. Mm, say it Child. again. Say it again. Listen. Feel the Holy Spirit. We, say it again. Yes. We date and choose a partner according to our level of revelation. Mm. So if you are here with your level of revelation, not even knowing how amazing and beautiful and powerful and smart and whole you are, 
are, your mm. dating pool is down here with everybody yeah. else. Right. When your right. revelation increases mm. in who you are and knowing the spirit of God that resides in you and the Holy mm. Spirit that resides in you and know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you can mm. make mistakes and that the God loves you still, right. Right. then you allow yourself a different space of, of grace and allowing yourself not to be ashamed and allowing mm. yourself to just be authentically who God created you to be. Right. Your dating pool is up here. Evil yeah. spirit. Amen. Not down here with the bottom yeah. feeders. Right. You are increasing, elevating yourself, elevating yeah, your that's understanding so good. of who you are. Yeah. That's so good. And, and yeah. with that, and part of me saying this is that I just did a talk this week about this is, is and actually I talk about this a lot, and that is, one thing, one of the things the enemy doesn't want us to do is receive, mm. because the death relationship is based on receiving. That's good, right? Relationship That's with the Lord good. starts with receiving His love, receiving our salvation, receiving. That's good. So the more you receive, the more you have revelation, right? Yeah. So if we're shamed for trying to receive our emotional needs being met, if we're shamed for trying to receive love, grace, anything, and we don't let it come in, we yeah. will date from there. Yes, absolutely. That's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that one It's still that one statement from my pastor, what, seven years ago still does not leave me. Yeah. It still does not leave me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to to be with Anthony and be dating him and I'm sure being cautious and yet not wanting to not wanting to feed the fear, but still needing like that that balance absolutely absolutely so i wrote in the second book blessed passenger and i kind of write about dating from a kingdom perspective because that was new for me Mm -hmm. not really having god in my life previously not to the degree that i um you know that i do now of course but um really going through this um, different dating perspective as I was dating someone who was also wanting the love of God and, and, mm. and trying to redeem himself and, 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 and walk a sanctified life. Um, but that, what there, so there were some fears that came up like, Oh no, like, is this real? Like, is this really happening? So yeah. there was definitely some fears that, uh, and some trepidation that set in and the confirmation that I got from God through that process was really amazing. Mm. Um, it had all sorts of little, you know, weird spiritual awakenings through it. Uh, um, but the, what I like to say is the God in me fell in love with the God in him. Mm-hmm. And that that's what is kind of yeah. keeping us together. And because I trust the God in him, yes. I can be, you know, holy and authentically mm-hmm. a helpmate. Yeah. Um, there's this theory that um, brown women like me don't like to submit, don't like that word submission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole discussion about this word submission, but it is really easy to submit when Mm. you trust what is leading your husband. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I will tell you, even though unfortunately I don't look brown, and I, you know, I wish I did. I accept that I don't. You are brown on the inside. We are the same color on the inside. I'm I'm the inside. We're so the same color (laughs) that the word submission for me is almost a trauma response. It's almost nauseating. Yeah. And so I know for you with your background, it had to be some work to to submit. But I love that like you trusted the God in him and you could follow him. But the idea yeah. of submission when it comes to 400 years ago of slavery, when it comes to yeah. how you have to act in certain environments so that the white person doesn't get upset with you. Absolutely. All of that plays in for you. 
Yes, that psychological construct of how submission, godly mm. submission was mm. misused. Yes, misused. How it's been misconstrued mm. to us um, mm. and delivered to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even from just a, a woman's perspective of having to submit to mm. a man sounds very archaic. It's so um, archaic. But that's not God's intention. Right. It wasn't God's intention. And right. so... Um, really understanding what the word submission means. Mm -hmm. My pastor breaks it down so beautifully. Um, Sub meaning under, mission meaning plan, vision, you know. So you are under the mission and plan that your husband is setting for. Right, right. But you know, I love that. I think that's amazingly said. Do you feel like he's under or would be more like for you saying beside, he's beside the mission that you have? We are, we are in this mission together. And I think when we, when you get married, it's what's the mission? Oh, Mm -hmm. the mission is X, Y, and Z. Okay. I can get under that. Yeah. I can fall in the line. Let's be clear. We submit to a bunch of things we don't necessarily like. So we submit to our job. We submit to our, you know, employers. We submit to, you know, we submit to all sorts of are you a lead foot girl you know you know what i drive you know i I fly around this place but i try to behave i don't want to go back to jail i try to behave yes yes (laughs) so we submit to all sorts of things Mm. but um but um but in in marriage marital submission it's you know does the man and that's choosing the mate the yeah. choosing the mate that has the right mission for right. you. That's if right. He can't, you if he can't state the mission, why are you going to get under it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, I love that. Yeah, it goes back to uh, what you said. What kind of wife are you looking for? What is mm-hmm. wife? What is definition of wife? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's good. That's really good. That's a good what point. is definition of marriage? What does that yeah. mean? What does that look like? What right. does Monday through Sunday, what do you think right. your marriage is going that's to That's so good. Like? That's so good. How did your kids respond to meeting Anthony? <laughs> they they uh they were so funny because I was dating Anthony and um you know kind of like trying to make sure that we were right before I introduced him to the mm-hmm. girls and so they knew I was dating someone you know late night phone calls mom's giggling a lot more you know all this stuff right and they knew I was dating someone from the church but they had no idea who so they were like little inspector gadgets trying to figure out who it was and so we all look back at that time and laugh because um he you know he and I used to sit in the car and talk for hours yeah. And one time he left his hat in the car and I didn't know it was there. And he was like, I can't find my hat. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And my daughter gets in the car one day and she puts on the hat. And it's like, mom, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> she was about eight or nine years old at the time. Yeah. And it just laid me out. Like I just cracked up. Right. right. So funny. So just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Made it, fun and, and, and exciting but when they met him um and he was the father of daughters he knows how to parent uh, daughters love daughters yeah. and so it just it was it was like puzzle pieces now like, for you because you and I both are daddy girls right like yeah. like being a daddy's girl is the best and I know you recently yeah. lost your dad I'm so sorry but you spoke yeah. so well at IC Talks Thank you, you know, so There's much. so much freedom in what you shared. and God, um, glory But God. I'm sure that solidified things for you because you're a daddy's girl and you watched him with your daughters. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. that was so important to me. Yeah. And I won't say that I was looking for that, but it mm-hmm. certainly gives you peace of mind mm-hmm. when you're thinking about as a single mother, how am I going to find a man that loves me and loves my girls? Right. And then you see him love his girls and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I see what you did there, guys. <laughs> I see what you did there. There, guy, and I, you know, was like, I can't believe I'm about to be the mother of five girls. That's mm. not very funny, Lord, <laughs> Lord and Savior. <laughs> That's not funny, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, but it's been an amazing journey. Wow, that's so good. Awesome. We are almost five years married and mm. um, six years together, and mm-hmm. the blending of our families have really been a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And then and for our listeners, year seven, a lot, a lot of people don't make it from past year two to year seven. Mm-hmm. There's something very significant that happens when you get past year seven. And that's part yeah. of the seven year itch people talk yeah. about because after by that point, all the new things are done. Like it's about being committed to each other, yes. you know, yeah. and so just knowing like what a ministry you already are and that it just I just know it's going to continue in that. Absolutely. And that you're not going to be a statistic. No, not in, not in a not. negative way. Yeah. Listen, and God and I had a good old talk when Anthony came into my life because I said, God, I don't want to be divorced again. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're not going to get married again. So it was a confirmation to mm-hmm. me that this marriage was going to see the test of time. God yeah, gave right. me that covenant yeah, uh, message. This was the last marriage. That this was the last marriage. Yeah. And so if you think about that, I was already thinking about the imminent demise. Sure. I was divorced again. And right. he's like, no, no, no. This is your, you know, yeah. you'll never get so you're married. Having a, you're having a trauma response. And God's saying, are you going to have a God response? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. you better preach it, girl. Preach. Yeah. Preach it all. Preach. Preach. Okay. Speaking of that, one way that you are preaching is through your movie. Right, so your books yeah. and your movie, I love it. Because that's a really big deal. And you did it quickly. And if yeah. I remember correctly, it happened right before COVID happened. And yes. like, so I'd love, please, please, please tell our audience about that. So um, I we filmed the movie in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a filming weekend. It was a whole campaign around domestic violence awareness, all of that fun stuff. And so we were in the editing process and um, January, February comes, we decide on a release date. We did a whole big movie thing, movie premiere at the Studio Movie Grill here in Charlotte. Um, Set the date. It was the first week of March. We did the opening and then... COVID shut us down like two weeks later. (laughs) By the end of March, beginning of April, uh, COVID was very much alive and well. And um, so we really had to shut it down. Mm. Um, But yeah, but the movie process um, was amazing. Again, a God gift um, of just an an urging and inkling. I think it hit in the most amazing way, uh, way possible because, you know, as you and I have discussed before, during COVID, domestic violence, uh, you know, Increased. incidents went up around the globe. Yes around the globe. So now all of a sudden people are in these abusive relationships and violent relationships and they're stuck in the house with their abuser. Mm. 
So around the globe, the numbers went through the roof. And I thank God the movie was, uh, you know, tangible that I could do kind of movie showings virtually. So all of a sudden our world had to convert to this virtual platform and um, the movie Tony was was prevalent enough for me to be able to have these virtual showings with people and continue to have conversations, necessary conversations mm-hmm. about domestic violence um, with people across the, the, the country. So that yeah. was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is so good. And God is so good in that. Listen, what, it's what, yeah, it's just amazing. What do you, what do you see as a difference about how people react and the victim blaming with Brown and black sisters versus, we'll just say white. I won't go through each ethnicity. Yeah, each right, just ethnicity. brown versus white kind of thing. What, what have you noticed with your expertise with that? Uh, well, you know, I would say it's similar but different. Yeah. Because um, sometimes it's, you know, with, with brown people, it's, you know, the implication of drugs and alcohol and and, and mm-hmm. poverty and you know right. Right. Um, generational traumas mm-hmm. even are thrown in there as if those don't exist in other you know um, yeah. ethnicities yeah. as well. But I, I would say that's what makes it muddy and a place of perhaps judgment mm-hmm. as opposed to um, the 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 former yeah. um, a non-white person. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And, and and just to put out there, any woman, and some men deal with this too, I want to be really clear, but any yeah. woman I've dealt with, the system has been horrific for every woman. Yeah. Every absolutely. race, age, socioeconomic, every woman I know who's had to walk in that courtroom, even trying to get a 10 day restraining order. Is, yeah. I was having. Yeah, I was just having that conversation with someone um, that I was like, you know, I know people who have walked in the courtroom with black eyes, you know, mm-hmm. b- bumps and bruises and still couldn't get a restraining yeah, order, restraining which is like, which is flips my lid, which is flips beside lid, me. Like, That's I right. just don't understand. Right. Um, and yeah. a lot of times it turns into her word versus his word. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it's a money thing as right. far as attorneys and legalities. And, or, or just getting off work. Because absolutely. the paperwork you have to do is yes. extensive. And I know, yes. I know women who can't get up for it long enough to be a part of the process. And they're just trying to be safe, but they can't leave their job for more than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's really scary. It is. There's there's a lot wrong with the system. That's why I'm so grateful. People like you are available. Your, your church have life. I think your have life is just on fire. And the things y'all do for people, is just amazing that when you see people who are truly the hands and feet, just because yeah. someone's a church or a Christian doesn't mean that there are hands and feet and you so are. It's just so amazing. That's so true. Thank you so much. Yeah, we. Yeah. I think we, you and I fall into that same vein of mm-hmm. just really being on fire for God. And I love the God in you, sis, just like I love Oh, I love the God in you. Like, yeah, and I love the <laughs> fact that we can keep figuring out how to work together, how to keep doing this together. Um, yeah. and so, because there's, there's, a, there's always a new message and a different message, but it's being added to the same message where we need people to know God loves you absolutely yeah and how do you receive that how does that how do you let that go to your wounded place so that we don't have to continue to sabotage have toxic relationships live small Jesus didn't die for you to live small yes 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 that's so good that's so good all right let's put you in the hot seat real quick 
Oh gosh. All right. I, You're a therapist. You know what it's all about. Comfy. Yeah. I'm let's do this. Okay. So this is just simple, silly stuff. Okay. Whatever comes to mind first when for the first one. First okay. word that comes to mind when you hear unbroken. Ooh, freedom. 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 Yeah. Unbroken. Yeah. That was the first yeah. word that came to mind. Freedom. Yeah, that's good. That's what it's all about. We're set free to be free. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, if you could give yourself a new name, what would it be? Oh, God, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> a new name. I have always, and this is my daughter's middle name, I have always loved the name Imani. Imani. It means faith in Swahili. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that that's the first one that came to mind, Imani. Right. That's great. That's, yeah. that's your new name. I like it. Big what come has on. been already? <laughs> what has been your biggest surprise in life? My biggest surprise in life. These are hard. I wasn't ready. This uh, is the hot seat. It's what we do to each other. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest surprise in life. I think that a sinner like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at myself. Yeah. My biggest surprise is like that a sinner like me can find so much freedom in mm. loving God and mm. speak it so authentically and real with no qualms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That um, that I am basking in his glory. Yeah. yeah. Which goes back to being unbroken, right? Like yeah. Which goes yeah. back to being unbroken. Like that is, I, and listen, that is a real response. A sinner like me. Right. Right. <laughs> And I'm laughing at my sins, honey. Right, right. They can be free. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are then not our mistake. Free. People want us to believe we are our mistake. We are not. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah. Besides your own, what is your favorite movie? Ooh. Uh, gosh, that's hard. So I have so many. I'm a movie person. Oh, okay. Um, so some of my favorites, I'll say, are uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. And I say that because I can watch it. I've seen it so many times, but mm-hmm. I still really love the mm-hmm. story. Boris mm-hmm. Gump, I love Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love um, The Color Purple. Yes, um, yes. Some silly ones that make me laugh are blended with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I, that one just cracks me up. <laughs> I like, uh, what else? Those are high, those those are some of my favorites. Okay, I love that. That is so great. <laughs> is there any show that you watch that you're embarrassed to say that you like? Girl, <laughs> 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 that's so funny. I'm embarrassed to say I like. I like some good ones. I, I'll say that I do like some good ones, but I I am embarrassed at the way in which I watch them. Like I just get so enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> my awful. husband was laughing at me because I was crying. I was watching a show the other day and I was crying and he was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm a big fan of like Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and um, This Is Us is amazing, amazing right. show. Um, I am a Shonda Rhimes fan. Listen, so. I'm still upset with her. I need to talk about this. Ciao. Grey's Anatomy, in love with Grey's Anatomy, in love with McDreamy. And she killed him, and I cried so hard that I haven't been able to watch any. Like I can't. I've never watched it again. I've never you watched re- it since then. I can't because I I was in love with him, and he didn't have to die. He had two years left on his contract. 
What was Rhymes doing? What happened? I loved his hair. I wanted to touch his hair. You wanted to touch his hair. Yes. yes. What happened? So beautifully. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was very traumatizing. Um, I have still watched it, but see, so I, so my daughter burst out crying when Mark Sloan died. Like yeah. burst out crying, came in the room and fell in my lap. Like Sloan is dead, and I was like, <laughs> "What? Like what? Like what happened? Like I really." So my husband laughs at us. Now, I was yeah. watching Private Practice, which is a great uh-huh. Anatomy spinoff right, with right. Addison Montgomery. Mm. And um, I was crying when Dell died. And mm. so that my husband was, he just laughs at us. He yeah. Laughs at us. But, um, but yeah, so I'm definitely a Shonda Rhimes fan. I have enjoyed Bridgerton. I watched Bridgerton yeah. um, on Netflix. That was great. Um, I like um, The Walking Dead. <laughs> and all of its spinoffs. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, so those are good too. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Great answer, great answer. Okay. Um, two more and we're done. Dream <laughs> vacation. What is your, what's your dream vacation? There's two. Can I say two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawaii. I have not been yet to mm-hmm. Hawaii and Australia. Those two are on the bucket list. They're on the list. Yes. yes. Okay. So you're perfect for your profession. You help so many people. But if you had to pick a different profession, what would you select? Because I watch so much Grey's Anatomy, I truly believe I could be a surgeon. (laughs) That is the best answer ever. That is so great. I think I can be a surgeon. I think I missed my calling because I ain't going to medical school. I'm not yeah. doing that. But yeah. I think I can be a surgeon. I, I truly believe if I hadn't been so drunk, I might end up in med school. But I can't pronounce <laughs> yeah. all the things they talk about. I would have been a horrible translator of all that. But I think I would have gone to med school. But I think yeah. I'm supposed to be a surgeon of some kind. Yeah. I don't know, the brain or something. Yeah. Well, know. you are an emotional surgeon. You're spiritually a surgeon. You help so many That's people through that. You you are such a blessing. I'm so glad you're in my life. Anything you. you want to throw out there for people, whether they want to follow you on Facebook, Instagram, your movie, your books, anything you want to throw out there real yeah. quick as we wrap up. So there's a little bit of everything going on with me. Um, So I released the third book this past year in the middle of a pandemic, Your Invitation to Self-Care. And Mm. um, I really um, excited this year. um, People have been contacting me about doing some self-care groups and like self-care sessions, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So I've got the first one of the year going in a couple of weeks where um, someone called me and said, you know, I got a group of ladies and we want to get together. We want to read your book and then we want to do a self-care session where we can Q&A and talk about it and, you know, have brunch on on Zoom and do it all. So I'm excited to do that and and certainly open to do that with others. So I throw that out there. Um, you can always follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, the second movie, Tony 2.0, uh-huh. will be released this year in 2021. And that looks at um, Tony's backstory. Hmm. This right. is Tony's backstory because I never sought out to vilify the abuser. Yeah. They are broken just mm-hmm. like the abused. Mm-hmm. And I really want to tell um, a version of that story. What is yeah. the backstory of the abuser? Where did this even come from? Oh, that's brilliant. I feel that's like brilliant. that is really powerful conversation that doesn't, that isn't had often. That's brilliant. I love that. It is and- had often. Listen, and I love you. Thank you. I know how busy you are for taking time to be a part of this. You're amazing. I love you. 
All right, listeners, I know your lid got flipped at least three times. Had to. <laughs> Had to. Three's a great number. So thank you for being a part it. of this. We hope that you heard something today that helps you reconnect to who you really are. Please remember, yeah. you are not your mistake. You are God's child. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.